Georgia dominates TCU 65-7 in the national championship game. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. When Georgia went up 31-7, that's when I fell asleep. And when I woke back up, Georgia was up 52-7. You know, when Georgia came into this game as a 13.5-point favorite, I took Georgia. I understood the arguments for why people felt TCU had a chance of keeping this game close. But let's just be honest. Most of us expected this outcome. Now, we probably didn't expect Georgia to hang 65 on TCU like Jesus. And I don't even think anybody expected TCU to get held to seven points. I mean, if you expected Georgia to win by a big margin, okay. But to beat a team by, what, 50 points? I don't think anybody saw this coming. And, you know, for the people out there who think that TCU didn't deserve to be in the playoffs because of the result of the national championship, you got to stop. You cannot base who deserves to be in the college football playoffs based off the results, okay? The The best teams don't always make it to the Super Bowl. The best teams don't always win the Super Bowl, Not every national championship game is going to be competitive. You have the best teams in college football and still have blowouts in the national championship game. There have been Super Bowls that we thought were going to be classics that ended up being blowouts. You remember that Super Bowl that had the stout Seattle Seahawks defense versus Peyton Manning? And that Broncos offense, we thought that was going to be one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time because you have arguably one of the best offenses in the history of the NFL that year, led by Peyton Manning, Julius Thomas, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, that Broncos team was loaded versus that Seahawks defense with Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, and Seattle smoked Denver. Nobody saw that coming. So, I mean, you cannot base who should be in the college football playoffs based off the results, okay? Georgia was the second most talented team coming into this college football season according to 247 Sports Team Talent Composite Rankings. And as much as people like to yell and scream that recruiting rankings and stars don't matter... Newsflash, people, they do. I told you guys when I did my preview and prediction for this game and I picked Georgia, I said that Georgia was going to win this game and I felt they were going to win by a pretty comfortable margin. TCU was walking into something that they weren't prepared for. You can prepare all you want to for Georgia, But you cannot replicate the kind of athletes that you're going to be lining up against when you play Georgia in these championship games or when you line up and play Georgia on Saturday. Do you not see the kind of demons that Kirby Smart is recruiting on the defensive line for Georgia? Michigan was nothing close to anything that TCU saw this game against Georgia's defense. Or just Georgia's 
offensive line and defensive line in general. It was like boss battles. I was saying this last week. TCU, the best defensive line that they played prior to the college football playoffs was Kansas State. And the games were close, right? The second after that was Michigan. That was the next best defensive line they had faced. And up to that point, they hadn't seen a defensive line like Michigan that not only had a good blend of power and size, but also physicality. And TCU was able to meet expectations or kind of exceed expectations because Michigan, they got out of their game. TCU got up early and Michigan, uh, they had to throw the football to get back into it and they forced Michigan to abandon their identity, which was running the football and they made Michigan turn into a passing team. And therefore, TCU at that point had the advantage. They made TCU uncomfortable. But Georgia was not like Michigan. And that was the big misconception that a lot of people had going into this game. And I think that was a good reason why there were a small amount of people who felt TCU could have won this game because they made the misconception that Georgia was just a better version of Michigan. And that wasn't true. Georgia was truly a balanced football team. And I've been trying to tell people this all year. After that Oregon game, I was like, okay, Georgia is legit. And after they smoked Tennessee, I saw Georgia for what they were. Michigan was a good football team, but you could not compare that Michigan team to that George, to this year's Georgia team. Georgia's, their defensive line, the athletes that they're recruiting on, the interior are just different. These are some of the most physically talented athletes in the nation that Georgia's recruiting on the defensive line and the offensive line. I mean, they have guys such as Jordan Davis, who was, what, 330 pounds running a 4.8-something in a 40-yard dash? You have Jalen Hemothy Carter, who's 300 pounds and is a freak. The dude moves like he's 220 pounds. Like, the kind of athletes that Georgia had up front, TCU could not prepare for. These are kind of your 1% athletes. Georgia is now getting to that point where you look at them and you say, Oh, yeah, like that defensive lineman right there, that's a Georgia kind of defensive lineman. Like TCU was not ready for what they were going to face in this championship game with the size, speed, and athleticism of this Georgia defensive line and offensive line. Now, you might have thought that TCU had a chance if they could get out and win on the perimeter, but their skill group was not as talented as Ohio State's. You see, and I was telling people this, what C.J. Stroud did against Georgia's defense in the Peach Bowl was legendary. He had the second best performance ever against a Kirby Smart coach defense at Georgia. You want to know who had the best performance ever against Kirby Smart's defense above C.J. Stroud? Joe Burrow. 
Max Duggan did not play well against Michigan. Anytime Michigan was able to get pressure up the middle, sending extra guys, he struggled. And once again, what happened? TCU struggled to find consistency in the passing game because they couldn't handle pressure well. And Max Duggan and this wide receiving core couldn't get it done against the secondary of Georgia. Ohio State was the perfect match for Georgia. Essentially, we watched the national championship in the Peach Bowl. And a lot of people said this. Okay, a lot of people said this. But in this game, after Max Duggan threw his second interception, okay, before halftime, you saw the writing on the wall. And even going into this game, most people probably already knew that for TCU to win this game, they were going to have to get the run game going. Now, Kendra Miller wasn't able to play in this game, but even if he did, the outcome wouldn't have changed. You were going to have to try to run the ball on Jalen Carter and just too much of a physically more talented and a more athletic front. TCU did not play a defensive line the caliber of Georgia or a team the caliber of Georgia all year. And to be honest with you, they probably never will until they play Georgia unless they play Georgia again. You see, like, Georgia was just so far ahead of everybody this year. You know, and although that Ohio State game was close, Ohio State was one of the most talented teams in college football. Look at the 24-7 team talent composite rankings. You want to know who the three most talented teams were? Bama, Georgia, Ohio State. Who gave Georgia... The most competitive game this year. Ohio State. Oh, it's no wonder Ohio State is right behind Georgia. I understand everybody loves a great story. TCU is a great story. They deserve to be here. Anybody who says otherwise, I think that kind of demeans TCU's win against Michigan. They beat Michigan fair and square. It wasn't fluke. It wasn't fraudulent. They were the better team. They outcoached Michigan and they outplayed Michigan. You can't take away pick sixes. You can't count pick sixes as flukes. They forced those interceptions. TCU earned the right to be here. Stop thinking that the playoffs are about putting in teams who are the most talented. It's not. It's about putting in the best four teams with the best four resumes. The best four teams that are the best four deserving. TCU was one of the bunch who deserved to be in here. They earned the right to be here also. It's just that Georgia was just a way more talented team. You look at the personnel that TCU had in this game going up against Georgia's. It was more comparable to Tennessee. TCU was nothing that Georgia hasn't seen before. On the other hand, Georgia was something that TCU, quite frankly, hadn't seen before. This was something that kind of just hit TCU in the face. And then once you saw Georgia go up four touchdowns, that's when you realize, oh, snap, 
Now you see why recruiting and why stars matter. And the only touchdown that TCU scored came off when Georgia had that blown coverage. And when that happened, I was like, yeah, TCU isn't probably going to be in position to score again. And after that, they didn't really have much success after. And there's not really much you can say about this game other than the fact that Georgia was the more talented team. Okay, I mean, there's not really a stat that you can look at and just say, oh, yeah, you know, maybe if TCU would have done this well, the game would have been different. No, Georgia was just the outright better team. The more talented team in college football wins more times than not. Michigan was the 13th most talented team in college football, according to 247 Sports Team Talent Composite Rankings. TCU was 32. Georgia was second. The talent gap was too large for this game to be close. Okay. Um, TCU's receivers, they were stuck. Georgia's secondary came up to play. Not just that, but they couldn't run the football. And like we talked about in our preview and prediction for this matchup, TCU, when they were moving the ball efficiently against Michigan, they were doing it when they were able to have success running the football on the ground with Kendra Miller, DeMarcado, and Max Duggan. Max Duggan, last week against Michigan or in the last game against Michigan, he was at his best when he was using his legs. If this game got down to TCU having to get into a arid out attack, it wasn't going to favor them. They were going to play right into the hands of Georgia. And that's what makes Georgia so tough to beat. You see the size of that defensive line, and you see how fast and how physical they are. I mean, it's incredibly hard to have success running the football on Georgia. TCU 7, Georgia 65. The Georgia Bulldogs are your national champions. Cliff gets the slip. Cliff Kingsbury has been fired after four seasons with the Arizona Cardinals as their head coach. During his four seasons with the franchise, he led the Cardinals to a 28-37-1 record. This was a really interesting experiment. And the reason why I call this an experiment is because we haven't seen something like this go down. Remember... When the Arizona Cardinals first hired Cliff Kingsbury years back, this guy was a college head coach who had a losing record. And even before he took this head coaching job, he was supposed to be going to USC to become their offensive coordinator. So when the news came out that Arizona was going to be interviewing him and then they were going to hire him, it was kind of like, whoa, this probably isn't going to work. And let's be honest. It's even amazing that Cliff Kingsbury lasted as long as what he did as the head coach in Arizona. You don't normally see a average or below average college head coach go to the NFL and then find a way to get the team to the playoffs. And I don't think Cliff Kingsbury 
was completely bad. You know, his first three seasons were promising. Year one, five, ten, and one. Year two, eight and eight. And that's what you want to see out of a head coach. You want to see improvement. You want to see growth. And the Arizona Cardinals did get better the first three years under Cliff Kingsbury, statistically and record-wise. Year three, 2021, they went to the playoffs, 11-6 record, and they got clobbered in the opening round by the eventual Super Bowl champions, the LA Rams. But at one point, this team was 10-2. They were one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFC at one point during that 2021 season. And then the wheels just completely fell off. And that goes to the main reason why Cliff Kingsbury failed as the head coach in Arizona. The dude was not great at making adjustments, not only in the second half of games, but during the second half of the season. And if Cliff Kingsbury can get better at making those late season adjustments or making those late game adjustments, this dude could probably be a, a solid coach. The dude isn't completely awful, you know. I mean, it's not like this was just a completely awful hiring. Arizona did make it to the postseason. He did get an extension. So in terms of, you know, some of the worst coaching hires, I don't think this kind of makes the list. You know, I just think this was a hire that wasn't great to begin with, but it kind of was a little bit amazing that Cliff Kingsbury was able to have a little bit of success in Arizona, although it was pretty brief. So who's going to replace Cliff Kingsbury? He's out. General Manager Steve Kime, he's out as well. He pretty much has stepped down. So you're going to be bringing in a new head coach, a new GM. Word on the street is that D'Amico Ryans is one of the leading candidates for this job. Obviously, we already know that they're going to be in on the Sean Payton sweepstakes. Already done several segments talking about the potential of Sean Payton becoming the head coach of Arizona. Make sure that you guys go ahead and check those out. But Cliff Kingsbury is out. That's the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals after four seasons with the franchise. Let me know what you guys think about this firing down in the comment section down below. Lovey Smith has been fired after one season as the head coach of the Houston Texans, leading them to a 3-13-1 record. I really can't believe that there are some people out there who are defending Lovey Smith, saying that he deserved a second year. If you watched any Texans game this season, you would agree that Lovey Smith, he had to go. And listen, Lovey Smith is a great person. He's a fantastic leader. But I think the game has passed them by. And I honestly don't know why the Houston Texans even decided to hire Lovey Smith. They might as well have just kept David Culley. People say, well, JT, Lovey Smith didn't have great personnel. Okay, neither did David Culley. And the Texans looked like a better team under him with the worst roster than they did this season with Lovey Smith with a better roster than what they had in 2021. Not to mention, look at Brian Dable. Brian Dable would have loved to have a Jalen Petrie or Derek Steenley or Brandon Cooks at receiver. Hell, they could have used Brandon Cooks for sure. So it's like, even though the Texans didn't have a great roster, 
Lovey Smith and his coaching staff could have been way better. And let's be honest, bruh. Many Texans fans probably weren't expecting anything out of Lovey Smith. You kind of wonder, you know, if the Texans just hired Lovey Smith because they knew he wasn't going to be a good coach and he was going to put them in position to get the number one overall pick, which they failed to do. But I'm not mad at him for not being able to do that because, you know, as a coach, I don't really think that's a great accomplishment, you know, helping the team get the number one one overall selection or tanking. I think that's actually a blemish if we're being honest. And you got to think, these players, bro, they're playing to stay on the roster. They're playing to get opportunities elsewhere. Nobody just wants to lose on purpose. You know, these players got pride. You don't give a damn about getting Bryce Young and stuff like that. Some of them might. Some of them got some pride. So you can't hold that against the coach. You look at the Houston Texans. The decision to hire Lovey Smith was just one of those WTF moments. You might as well have just kept David Culley. I don't know what Lovey Smith said during the job interview that landed him this coaching gig with the Houston Texans. But, I mean, if they looked at his resume outside of his stint with the Chicago Bears, he hasn't won anything at his other 10 years. He didn't win at Tampa Bay. He didn't win when he was coaching college ball at Illinois. I know somebody who actually was playing under Lovey Smith. You know, he said he was a great leader, great person and stuff. You get what I'm saying, but as a coach, he didn't really put a lot of emphasis on development. So it's like, Lovey Smith is a solid coach to have on your staff. Maybe if you still want to have him as a D coordinator, maybe, or like an assistant. But as far as head coach material, bruh, they had to get him out. I'm sorry. And even if you want to use the personnel thing, it's like you mismanaged it. There is no reason why you should be benching Davis Mills at any point of the season. You get what I'm saying? It's like, bro, it's like he's a young quarterback. If you legitimately are trying to see what you have in him, you got to let him play out the rough patches. And you were not in position To make the playoffs, you were far from eliminated from playoff contention by then. So it's like, what the hell was the reason for benching Davis Mills? It was random as hell. Just like this hiring. Random random as hell. Now, their GM, there's some rumors out there that he could be on the chopping block. But I kind of would be a little bit upset with that move. I think he's done a really good job of drafting. Their last year's draft class was phenomenal. Damian Pierce, I had him on my fantasy squad. If you guys been subbed to the podcast for over a year, you guys probably remember that segment we did back in around early June talking about why Damian Pierce could end up being one of the best rookie running backs. Had him, Kenneth Walker, Breeze Hall. I mean, it's some dogs on this team. Jalen Petrie. So, I mean, there's some talent on this Houston Texans squad. This just wasn't a terrible squad. They had probably some of the best rookies in the NFL all on this team. There's a couple of guys who I I can't think of. They had a linebacker. 
Um, I think he played for Bama. I can't think of his name. But, I mean, there there's some really good young pieces on this Texans team. This isn't just an undesirable job that doesn't have, you know, no pieces at all. They just got to completely rebuild the roster. Like, this roster is coming up. And in the AFC South, there's not really anybody who has a complete grasp on the division. The Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, yeah, they got Trevor Lawrence who's on the rise. But, I mean, they still don't have a great roster that's been constructed. They still have holes that they need to address. You look at Tennessee, their their offense, their offensive line, their quarterback position, you have questions about it in the future. So, for the Houston Texans, they get the right head coach. They could get their franchise QB. I think C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young will be fine. If you can't get Bryce Young, cool. You get C.J. Stroud. I think that works too. All you got to do now is improve your offensive line and free agency and the draft. You did a pretty good job so far in the draft last year, so hopefully you can keep up that level of consistency. But Lovey Smith is out. That's the head coach of the Houston Texans.